I'm excited about this weekend. Uh, I'm a bit terrified, though, because I can preach to thousands of adults, but you put me in a room full of kids, and my anxiety goes to the next level, and I do want to welcome all the kids in the room because this is the conversation I think we all have in common. This is something we all can relate to uh, because show of hands if you have parents. Come on, wave at me. Come on, wave at me if you have parents at all of our campuses. Yeah, we all have parents. And in Scripture, we find that God places a great deal of emphasis on our relationship with our parents. In fact, God calls us to honor our parents. And what I find in our world is uh, we are losing our emphasis on honor. It's a tragedy in my mind. Uh, I grew up in a household that just always taught and endorsed honor. And we were taught this in many different ways. We were taught to, you know, honor one another in terms of, you know, taking your hat off at the dinner table or taking your hat off when you prayed. Or if you ever went into a neighbor's house, you, you took the path. You never walked on their lawn. That was something my parents said, hey, you honor your neighbor in the small ways. Uh, we were taught to honor our, our teachers and our coaches and authority figures. And we were taught to honor referees and, and opponents and honor the game. And there was, there was such a level of honor placed within our culture. I remember growing up as a child, uh, sitting on the side of the road during parades, and uh, there was no cue given, but when the troops would come walking by, everyone just stood to their feet. There was a, a sign of honor. And tragically, we are taking beautiful things and things that make us wonderful as humans, and we're repackaging them, and we're distorting them. And it's, it's a tragedy to me. Recently, my sons and I were entering a store, and as we were approaching the door, so was another lady. And my son jumped ahead and grabbed the door and opened the door for the lady. And she was offended. And she says to my little boy, she says, what? You think because I'm a woman, I can't open my own door? And I, I said, you know, ma'am, with all due respect, we're, we're trying to do our best to raise young gentlemen. Uh, they're extinct nowadays, and we're trying to put some out into the world to do our best. And you should know uh, that my son holding the door for you is a sign of honor. It's not that he thinks less of you. It's because he thinks highly of you. And... I, I just think we're, we're going sideways in, in some of these things in culture. And as people of God, we need to lean into what does God mean when he calls us to live honorable lives and honoring lives? And you find this all throughout scripture. In fact, I'll look at it today in Ephesians chapter six. If you're taking notes, that's where the, we'll read today. Ephesians six verses two through three. I'm just gonna give you a few verses and we will pick at them, and hopefully this will be productive for everybody. But look what it says in Ephesians chapter 6. Paul is uh, echoing something that you read in the book of Exodus. He's repeating something you read in the book of Deuteronomy. He's repeating something Jesus himself affirmed, and now he comes and he says in verse 2, honor your father and mother. And then watch, he puts this in parentheses as a caveat. This is the first commandment with a promise, and he goes on to say, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Honor your father and your mother. This is the first commandment that comes with a promise that it may go well with you and you will live long in the land. I think God knew that some of us would be raised by a mom like mine. And if you didn't respect her, your time could come to an end pretty quickly, right? Anyone else you were raised by that mom where it's like, 
she, she will cut someone off. And uh, there was a time my brother and my mom got in an argument and uh, my brother decided to slam the door on my mom. And moments later, uh, I'm sitting there watching Saved by the Bell and <laughs> my mom goes walking down the hallway with a hammer, which I was like, man, I don't know where this is gonna go. And homegirl proceeded to take a screwdriver and to pop the hinges, and she took his door away. And there my mom walked down the hallway with her door. It was such a gnarly move, but if you honor your father and your mother, it will just go well for you. And I recognize that this... Uh, comes with all kinds of complexities and different variations, but tragically, we have reduced this command uh, to something that ought to be taught and applied to young children. But every single one of us is charged with the responsibility of honoring our parents. And again, where does this come originally to us? In the Ten Commandments, which is pretty fascinating. This is introduced in the law in the Old Testament. And what you find is God takes the nation of Israel and he liberates them from bondage in Egypt. They now get out into the wilderness where they are now experiencing freedom. And I think this is such a spiritual metaphor for many of us because they enter freedom and what becomes very clear early on is they do not know how to live free lives. All they know is bondage. And so God comes alongside them and he gives them standards and commandments and it's not to restrict them and it's not to limit them and it's not because God is some cosmic killjoy. It's that God is saying, hey, this is how you get the most out of a free life. And he gives the 10 commandments. And what's interesting about the 10 commandments, and if you've ever read a theology book, maybe you've heard this statement where they will talk about the two tablets. You guys ever heard this? Or maybe you've seen something like this where the 10 commandments are laid out on two tablets. And on the first one, there's four commandments. And on the second one, there's six commandments, right? Now, what do the first four deal with? The first four deal with your relationship with God. Right? Thou shalt not have any other gods before him, and thou shalt not take his name in vain, and, and to keep the, the Sabbath holy, right? These are things that pertain to our relationship with our Heavenly Father. Well, then the, the second half, the final six, they have to do with our relationship with others. And how do we live in community, and how do we build healthy, vibrant, thriving societies? Essentially, that's what God is doing in the story of Exodus with the Israelites in the wilderness. He is building a new society. And what I love about God is he, he's so thought through and he's so intentional and he boils it down to the very basics. And he says, okay, if you are going to have a life-giving, vibrant, healthy, sustainable and strong society, it begins in the home. And this is something I, I think we're starting to get wrong in our culture. We are completely degrading, dismantling, and disrespecting the family unit. And I'm convinced the way in which a family goes is the way in which a church goes, and the way in which a church goes determines the way in which a community goes, and a city goes, and a state goes. There is this progression in society, but it all begins. If you reverse engineer it back, it all begins in the home. And I think God just knew it. He, he just calls us out right out the gate. And he says, listen, if you can't honor 
your father and your mother within your home, let's be real. You're not going to truly go out there in the world and honor others. And this is a challenge for me in terms of missions trips. Now, I'm a big fan of missions trips, so please do not misinterpret me. In fact, we're going on one coming up here soon. Uh, But my concern sometimes is uh, we are really good at living like Christians when you put us on a plane and land us in another country where we can serve radically and faithfully and bold in our witness. Uh, But something about doing it in home in proximity to those we're close to, uh, well, that comes with some challenges. And why is that? Because familiarity breeds complacency. I mean, think about the issue of honor in Jesus's day related to Jesus. Jesus was at home among family, friends, and those he grew up with. And what is the statement of honor made about Jesus? He was a prophet without honor in his own home. Something about familiarity, it breeds complacency. And the same thing happens in our close relationships as well. In fact, I would say to some of you, maybe take this as an affirmation instead of an agitation. If you feel taken for granted, chances are it's because you're consistently great. Just know that consistent greatness comes with uh, being taken for granted. People grow accustomed to you just being consistently great. Jesus was consistently great and Jesus was taken for granted. So there's this big emphasis. Hey, if we're going to build healthy, vibrant communities in society, it all begins in the home. And I'm telling you, the way forward uh, for our communities and for our nation is for each and every single one of us to assess our homes and our family unit and to do what we can and what God calls us to within the family God placed us in. Amen. And the question is, is when scripture talks about honor, Well, what does it mean? And the first thing I want you to think about is the principle of honor. I think we have this interesting dynamic taking place in culture where uh, it's in many ways, it's a war on language and we're we're redefining words and how uh, culture would define honor is actually very different than how the Bible and God would define honor. And The word honor in scripture in the original language means to give weight to someone or something. Essentially what it has in mind is this this old scale, right? Ever seen one of these? And how they would determine value in Jesus's day is they would place it on the scale. And the heavier something was, the more valuable it was seen. And so what honoring other people is doing is saying, hey, I'm giving weight. I am placing uh, a greater value into this person. I am letting them know I see value. I see dignity. I see worth. I see beauty. I'm adding weight because here's the thing. On this scale, you have culture on one side, and you have the church on this side. And here's the thing, pay attention to how parents are portrayed in media nowadays. Pay attention to the the negative stereotypes that are just painted with broad strokes over the family unit. And before you know it, we're being told every single day that parents are annoying and parents are lame and parents are dorks and, and all these things. And as 
individuals who embrace this call to honor, we say, no, we, we place weight back into this relationship. We let them know, hey, we see you for who you are. We see value in you. That's, that's the principle of honor. In addition to that, like I already mentioned, I think it's important to pay attention to the prominence of honor. I mean, think about this. This command is in the top 10 commandments. Now, if you got to play God for a day, which you weren't thankful that none of us get to play God. Like if I were God for one day, there's folks out there who would catch a lightning bolt. Let's just call it like it is. It's, it's a good deal that I'm not God. I would not be able to handle that responsibility. God gives 10 commandments. And if you could give 10 rules to help humanity, how many of us would think, hey, in the top 10, I'm gonna say, honor your mother and father. That wouldn't even cross the radar for most people. But for God, he understood, hey, this is critical to society. If you get this wrong, you will see its damaging effect all throughout the world. And he says, this is, this is radically important. This is, is very valuable. And if God thinks something is important, I just think we as believers ought to adhere to its importance. How do we honor, uh, honor our parents? And, and how do we value this important critical statement? And I, I think there's a lot of ways that we can add weight. I, I think you can talk about obedience. You can talk about appreciation. You can talk about forgiveness. I would put stewardship in there. You can honor with time, empathy. I mean, there's a lot of things you can do, respect. And, and these are variations by which we can add value and honor our parents. Now, children in the room, this is something that is very tangible for you. Scripture talks a great deal about obeying your parents. And know this, partial obedience and delayed obedience are disobedience. Kids, can I get an amen? No? <laughs> so if you have a room full of dirty clothes and mom says, hey, go pick up your dirty clothes and you walk in the room and you only pick up three articles of clothing and in your mind you justify dirty clothes, knowing that mom has called you to pick up all the dirty clothes, well, that partial obedience is disobedience. If, if dad says, hey, brush your teeth before you go to bed, and in your mind you think, well, I'm gonna brush them tomorrow, that delayed obedience is still disobedience. And as a child, this is just a very easy and tangible way in which you can honor, honor your parents. But I, I wanna talk about this idea of appreciation, because here's the deal. None of us have perfect parents. Have you ever discovered that? And none of us are perfect parents. But there are still things, despite the imperfections and maybe even the misses and gaps within your homes, that we can all appreciate our parents. For starters, we can appreciate their effort because you were a lot of work, right? And, and I was a lot of work. And I look back at my parents and 
I, I just, I'm, I'm so thankful for the effort they put into it. Uh, these two uh, were, were building a plane in midair in many ways when it came to our household, but uh, they worked hard at it. And I, I just remember things that they would do that now I look back on, I'm like, man, that was a, that was a commitment on their end. Every Friday, uh, my dad would do this thing where he would do a special day every Friday. And on rotation, he would pick me and one of my siblings up from school, and we got to kind of pick uh, what we wanted to do. And for my brother and I, it was always the same thing. Downtown in the city, there was this card shop, and we were really big, still to this day, in collecting cards. My dad would take us to this card shop, and the owner of the card shop was this really just jolly and charismatic individual. In fact, we grew up watching this cartoon, Fat Albert. Anyone watch that, Fat Albert? And this guy was like a living uh, Fat Albert. He, he was amazing. And so we would spend hours in this card shop, which is funny because this was in Wisconsin. Uh, we would then move to Colorado and eventually, a uh, long story, but my brother and I would end up going to college in Minnesota. We, we bounced around all over the place. And while we were in Minnesota at this university, we're in this cafeteria. And this girl walks by and my brother says, man, that girl looks dangerous. And I was like, what does that even mean? And he says, she's so good looking. If she goes outside, someone's going to get distracted. She might cause a car accident. That girl looks dangerous. And I was like, bro, that's got to be one of the corniest things I've ever heard. I bet you won't go say that to her right now at her table, which my brother had guts and some courage. And he walks over to this table and, and he just starts spitting game and he tries to line out and it makes all of us uncomfortable and it creates this weird, awkward tension. He says, girl, you look dangerous. And what is comical is it's, it worked and the two of them started dating. In fact, they ended up getting married. And what is amazing is unbeknown to us at the time, um, she was the daughter of the owner of the card shop we grew up going to all the time. This is a, a great story. But my dad, he would, he would take us to these card shops, and uh, I didn't know growing up how impoverished our family was, and we'd walk into these stores, you know, wanting to buy all these cards and not realizing the decisions dad was having to make in order to buy those cards for us. And then he would take us to this pool hall where my dad was a bit of a pool shark, and we'd sit there on one table dinking around while my dad was hustling folks on the other. <laughs> Anyone else have a dad who's a hustler? Like, I, I mean, they just, they worked hard at this stuff. I remember one year, it was the NBA playoffs, and, uh, which the Celtics game last night was a doozy. Wow. And we're watching the game, and we had this bogus TV, and sometimes it would go green in the middle of it. And uh, we started complaining about, man, we need to get a new TV. But my dad had this idea. He went down to this audio video store called Rex, and he went in and moments later comes out and he had gone in and talked to the manager and he traded four Herschel Walker rookie cards for a big screen TV. And that's how we got our TV. It was hilarious. But you look back, you're like, man, they were trying. They were trying. I remember my mom always spinning every moment into an adventure. And whether it was uh, something of inconvenience or something that was really boring, somehow she would uh, make it fun and interesting. And I remember times that we would be broken down on the side of the road and us kids would start to complain about it. And my mom would just kind of flip the script a little bit. And I remember there was this time we're broken down on the side of the road in Nebraska. 
and there's just fields as far as the eye can see, and we start to complain, and my mom gives us this lecture about how we love sports, and all we ever want to do is play outside and play football. Well, there's a field. Go play football. And uh, my mom, my siblings, and I were, had a whole football game while Dad was trying to figure out how to fix this car. And uh, another time, we, we slid off into the ditch during a, a blizzard, and we we're on our way to my grandparents' house for Christmas, and uh, we're stuck in this ditch, and my mom climbs all the way in the back, gets into all the luggage, and gets out all of our snowsuits, and we sat there building snowmen on the side of the road uh, while we were trying to get the car out of the ditch. And I, I say that because now as a parent, you look back and you think, wow, that's, that was a lot of work. That had to have been exhausting at times. And I, I think you grow older and you start to observe the efforts of your parents who may have been imperfect and may have came up short at times, but you can't help but realize, but they tried and they tried hard and you have to appreciate their efforts. In addition to that, you have to appreciate their sacrifice, which kids in the room, I need you to say this as loud as you can. Everyone up here at all of our campuses, repeat after me as loud as you can. Say, I, I am, am very, very expensive. Yeah, you're expensive. I recently read this article that said, on average in America, it takes $250,000 to raise a child to the age of 18. It's insane. I mean, kids, your parents could be driving a Corvette and taking some pretty awesome vacations, but instead they gave up something they would love for something they love more, which is you, and they make sacrifices daily that maybe go unnoticed. And I think that that's true for all of us. Mom and dad made sacrifices. This article goes on to say that because of trends within our culture, things like gap years and kids now coming home to live with their parents as adults, the cost of weddings and how elaborate they've become, that it is now becoming more expensive uh, to raise a child after the age of 18 uh, than before the age of 18. You and I, every single one of us, were expensive and we were racking up a bill we didn't even know about. And mom and dad were making sacrifices. You, you respect and you appreciate their sacrifice. Um, I think another thing that we have to appreciate about our parents is their wisdom. And I think this is something we don't ever really pay much attention to, and it's tragic how many people just assume their parents uh, have more foolishness than wisdom. Uh, but what's the, what's the quote? Even a broken clock is right twice a day. And chances are, if you were to go back in time, you'd realize uh, mom and dad working with what they had uh, were wiser than I realized. My parents both came up in extreme poverty. My dad was raised in the city and my uh, mom was raised in the country. You can argue mom had it uh, rougher than my dad did in terms of just resources. And my uh, parents were raised pretty rough and in rough environments. And so the, the wisdom that they would take and teach us, and I would say we all do this to some degree, is we, we teach through metaphors and primers, whether we realize it or not, we're priming the way each other thinks, especially our kids. And in our household, the, the three primary primers were life was a fight, life was a climb, and life is an adventure. And I, I think you can find biblical support for all three of these. And 
and, and how we grew up, I mean, it was important to learn how to stand up for yourself and, and to toughen things out and to dust yourself off and try again and even to know how to clench a fist. That was something that uh, we were taught growing up. And we were taught life is a climb, that sometimes it's an uphill battle and you might have to crawl your way through it incrementally, but you don't stop. And uh, the lion making its way up the hill is always hungrier than the lion on top. You just keep climbing. Those are statements that our parents would tell us. And life is an adventure. You get to go out there and explore it. And these are things that I, I look back, I'm like, I'm thankful that they gave us some of these tools, especially uh, with their limited upbringing and how they were raised. I, I'm really thankful uh, for how they put things before us that made sense. And, and now as parents in the next generation, we get to kind of build upon that. I find that my greatest challenge as a parent is raising children in a, an environment that is radically different than how I grew up and realizing that the tools I needed to be successful and thrive in my environment uh, are, are very different. And how do I give them a different set of tools? And so I think you can add a lot of things to this list right now, things that we've been adding to it is one, life is a gift. You get to unwrap it daily and scripture says it's here today, gone tomorrow, and you make the most of it. I think life is a school, and if you pay attention, it'll teach you some things. I also think life is a race, and life moves to a better place for those who move at a sustainable pace. And so you better learn to pace yourself because you're going to burn out in this deal called life. And it is just learning, hey, how do I pass on or build upon the wisdom that was shared with me as a child? And I think if you were to humble yourself and really do a an audit of your upbringing, you would find mom and dad got some things right. Mom and dad got some things right. They were wiser than I realized. And in addition to that, I would say appreciate their uniqueness. When you just had some strange parents, but you just like, you appreciate their uniqueness. And, and here's the thing that I think sometimes we, we don't take into consideration. God knew the exact DNA he would need in order to create you. And it was your dad's exact unique DNA and your mother's unique DNA that the combination of the two created you. Scripture says he knit you together in your mother's womb. And without your parents, neither one of us would exist without our parents. And so you you appreciate their uniqueness and their quirks and just how God made them. And you learn to add value to that, right? We uh, were recently at my parents' place and we keep our card collection in my dad's safe. And so my brother and I were wanting to show our boys, like, hey, you should see this collection. We got all these Michael Jordan cards and stuff. And so we go to the safe and we open it up and my dad's got a stack of VHS tapes inside the safe. There's all this valuable stuff and then there's these VHS tapes to which we assume like, oh, maybe these are family videos or maybe a highlight tape from one of us playing growing up. No. My dad recorded growing up all the Michael Jackson concerts and he has them on VHS <laughs> in his safe. And my brother and I were like, should we tell him these are now on YouTube or do we just let it slide and <laughs> let him hold on to his VHS tapes? But you appreciate their uniqueness. One thing I, I do think, and you can kind of look at some of these things yourself, but I think forgiveness is a great way of honoring our parents. And I think one of the best things we can do in our homes is to instill grace 
and just make it normal that, hey, mom and dad are gonna come up short at times and, and kids, we're gonna need your grace. And I think as adults as well, we need to learn to extend grace. And I think a lot of times there is strife within our relationships with our parents, even as adults, uh, because of some things maybe we endured growing up that have not been brought to closure. I think a lot of individuals find that their parents have passed away and conversations weren't had. And you can even honor your parents, though they are beyond the grave, uh, by choosing to forgive them. And I, I don't want to stand up here and uh, prescribe something to you that uh, I wouldn't say openly has not been a challenge for myself. Uh, I, I'm assuming it's probably pretty clear. Uh, my, my dad and I are, are very close. Uh, he is a best friend of mine, and uh, I absolutely love and adore him. And I absolutely love and adore my mom. But for years, I had a, a really sh challenging relationship with my mother. Growing up, I had three primary challenges that kind of placed a strain on my relationship with my mother. Uh, the first, I was diagnosed with Lyme's disease, which came with uh, a whole routine of uh, twice a week going in for blood draws and not being able to participate in certain activities and a certain diet. And at one point, I got really unhealthy and skinny. And um, all of those things in my childhood mind, I held against my mother. Like, I'm, I'm going through these things and, and and how I was computing it was it was your fault. Uh, in addition to that, when I became a teenager, I went through a season where I had bad acne, which was really embarrassing for me. And uh, my mom, caring deeply, really was intentional about inserting herself into trying to help me in that regards. But at the time, I was still having a very hard time interpreting her activity in my life. But without a doubt, the, the number one strain on my relationship with my mother is I had a pretty significant speech impediment. And that required just years of, of therapy and flashcards and appointment after appointment. And my mom was so committed uh, to helping me overcome my challenges in speech. And it, it just was a huge issue on the relationship. My mom would do this thing and it would drive me crazy. Um, I was uh, really self-conscious about my speech and I would mumble and I would have a hard time making eye contact. I was always looking down. And so my mom would do the thing where she'd always reach over and she would hit my chin up. Um, she actually did that one time while I was being interviewed by a local news outlet after a basketball game. Uh, she helped me pick my chin up. And I, I really was upset with her for years. That, that placed a, a huge strain on our relationship. But here's the deal. There's... No question, she is the number one reason and the number one person who played a role in my development as a communicator, and I would not be standing before you today if it wasn't for my mother. And yeah. And so you, you, you just learn to forgive. You, you learn to forgive some things, and, um, and that's something that I think we all have to do. And... Whatever it is in your heart, I would just tell you, like, go to the Lord with that and just say, hey, this is something that God wants me to have a thriving relationship with my parents. And the other thing that I would talk about is this idea of stewardship. I think we honor our parents by making the most of the things they place in our hands. 
And as kids, that might be something uh, like allowance, which in the house I grew up in, we didn't get allowance. Dad said, you don't get paid for taking out the trash. You're just a contributing member of this family. Do your job. And uh, that's not to say allowances are bad. I think it's wise to, at a young age, while kids are young and the stakes are low, to, to place things in their hands so they can learn how to steward things well. And so children, whether it's stewarding an allowance or stewarding a device by what you watch and the text that you send and the games that you play, how you steward the things that your parents are entrusting you with is a great way of honoring your parents. Uh, but as a pastor, sometimes I'm invited into uh, very personal spaces uh, in terms of stewardship, and it's not with young children, it's with adults. And what happens is, is mom and dad built great companies, or mom and dad made really wise financial decisions, and now mom and dad have passed away, and they are leaving for their adult children an inheritance. And I got to tell you, it, it breaks my heart how many of those rooms I've been in uh, where the siblings are at each other's throat uh, fighting over an inheritance, and they already have in their mind what they're going to do and how they're going to spend it. And I would just say to you, one of the best ways in which you can honor your parents is to steward well whatever they place in your hand and whatever they've entrusted you with. It's a great way of honoring your parents. And so there's the principle, there is the prominence. And lastly, I would end with the promise, right? It's the thing that Paul wants us to pay attention to. It's the, it's the caveat. It's the, hey, this is the first one that comes with the promise. And what does he say? It will go well for you, and you will live long in the land uh, that you are in. And, and I've read all kinds of commentary on this, and people far brighter than me have developed really exhaustive theories about what that means. And I, I think today, my goal here would just be to reduce it down uh, to its simplest form. And I think it is safe to say what Paul is getting at and what God is pointing us to is our lives just are far better, richer and of greater quality uh, when we put in the work to carrying forward a healthy relationship with mom and dad. He's just saying, hey, listen, you will live a life of greater quality if you put in the work and own your part of the deal in terms of a relationship with your mother and your father. There's the principle, there's the prominence, and there's the promise. And no matter how old you are, we never graduate from this command to honor our parents. So can we just honor our parents and let them know we love them and we're thankful for them? Absolutely. You know, most of us have to realize that mom and dad were doing the best they could with what they had. And with their upbringing and resources, they did better than we sometimes think. Uh, my, my dad was uh, raised by a, a single mom for the most part. His dad was a rolling stone. And uh, he left with a mistress, and he was a traveling musician. And uh, my dad ended up having four fathers uh, in the course of his childhood. All were abusive, and his favorite was the one who owned a bar and allowed him to be, drink at the age of 13. And my dad became an alcoholic, and it was a whole thing. Um, you, you look back on uh, the father he became despite the upbringing he had. It's, it's really remarkable, and the same is true for my mom. And these two went on to graduate high school and graduate college and break the family mold. And I'm just telling you, if you were to pump the brakes a little bit in your criticism 
and just give some time to think about, man, how well did mom and dad do with what they had? I bet you would find they weren't as bad as you think. Amen.